Welcome back to the Never Quit Podcast. This is your host, Bill Higgins, and I am happy to be with you here today. I was excited when I woke up this morning. I saw that we added another country to our demographics. We now have a listener in the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. I don't know anybody in the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, but they found us and they listened to our podcast and... uh, I think it's just one listener, but uh, hopefully uh, I'm reaching out to that person right now, and I thank you for listening, and I ask you to please share this with your uh, other uh, friends in Jordan so that we can grow our audience in the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. Um, Also, if any of our listeners know people in other countries, uh, please share this podcast with them so that uh, they can uh, listen and that um, analytic, that statistic that I look at in the morning will continue to grow. It excites me every time I see another country added. We're up to seven different countries right now and I got to admit that feels uh, pretty darn good. So I want to talk about a couple things today. First off, I want to talk about something I did this weekend. Uh, This weekend, a friend of mine Um, mentioned to me that he was in a fishing tournament called the uh, Duke of Fluke. It was a flounder tournament uh, just outside of Wildwood in Rio Grande. He told me he'd be fishing there all day and invited me to a party afterwards. Now, I like to fish, but I'm not... uh, I'm not what you'd call a fisherman. I I fish uh, first day of trout season usually. I've been... um, saltwater fishing probably only three or four times in my lifetime which I've enjoyed but like I said I'm not what you'd call a fisherman um, just to do it from time to time uh, when invited but a friend of mine invited me to this tournament not really to the fishing tournament itself but to the event afterwards where they were giving awards for uh, the you know the the biggest fish caught uh, on a boat um, the uh, biggest combined weight of the fish five biggest fish added together on that boat etc etc I think there were over a hundred participants in this thing anyway he invited me to go to the party so I said to Amy I said hey let's go up here check this thing out Uh, they were gonna have a band they were gonna have food entertainment and the award ceremony Uh, so we went and we had a fantastic time and the reason I bring it up on this podcast is because I talk a lot about you know, people pursuing their passions. So here there were uh, hundreds of people who were participating in this fishing tournament. They were given awards, and the passion for the uh, for the event, or for the you know the the flounder fishing, was just contagious. Everybody there was so excited, and to see the winners get up there and collect their trophies. I knew really nothing about the subject matter, but just being around people, uh, you know, pursuing their passion and winning. You know, it's a contagious thing. So uh, we went and we had a great time. There was a good band, played a lot of uh, 80s music that we enjoyed and some other, uh, you know, more contemporary music. It was just a great band. I think the band was called uh, the Tidal Wave Band. The Tidal Wave Band. They're based out of Ocean City, New Jersey. And uh, they were great. Amy and I enjoyed it. And, you know, like I said, the reason I share that with you is anytime you have an opportunity to go somewhere where people are you know, enjoying their passion, uh, go to it because it's contagious. It makes you feel good about your passions and, you know, seeing other people celebrate that. Also, it's always cool to go somewhere that you've never been before. You know, I think we all get in this rut where we go to the same restaurants, we go to the same events, uh, we do the same things on an annual basis over and over again. Um, It's kind of cool to go do something different, be around different people, uh, interact with different people, 
and uh, you know just to see what's out there so it was a cool uh, experience and I just wanted to share that with you because as I do on this podcast I like to talk about you know people pursuing their passions and doing what they love so um, just want to throw that out there and, and give you an update on what we did this past weekend the next thing uh, I want to talk about, as I said before, this one of the things we're going to do on this podcast is help you um, build your skill set and to uh, advance the ball in what you might do and um, in all aspects of life. And I think in a previous podcast, I talk about how everything in life is sales. Well, a big part of sales is negotiation and negotiation tactics, uh, whether they be conscious or subconscious, the things that you do to get what you want or what you need. Um, and try to create win-win situations in a uh, negotiating environment. So I, not to brag, but I have a, a vast amount of uh, experience on this subject. Uh, 18 years as a prosecutor, I uh, you know developed a knack for negotiating plea agreements, and um, that's what I had to do. So today I'm going to just give you a, a, a short lesson on a, a negotiation tactic uh, or uh, an aspect of negotiation that I think is important. I'll tell you how it relates related to me as a prosecutor um, and give you an, an example of, of how it was used and tell you how you can apply that in your real life. So I'm going to take a short break here, but when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, a negotiation tactic that I've used in my uh, professional career that I think will help you anytime that you're in a negotiating uh... Okay, so I've talked on several previous podcasts about how sales is essential to pretty much everything you do in life. Uh, that's there's a sales component to just about everything and a big part of sales is negotiation uh, and negotiation strategies so uh, not bragging but I think I have quite a bit of experience in this area 18 years as a prosecutor I've negotiated thousands of plea agreements and uh, I think I have something to share in the area of negotiations so um, what I want to talk about today uh, is a uh, is an important aspect of negotiating that I think people often overlook and that is this there are usually far more components or moving parts to a negotiation than what appears on the face so for example if you're buying a car you know most people think that the things you're negotiating are the product and the price and I think most people believe uh, when they when they enter into a negotiation that these are the things that they are negotiating the product and price there's usually many many more moving parts and often there are things that one party really wants that really don't matter to the other party at all and they could give those things up to get a deal done so one of the most important things of a good negotiation is finding out what all the moving parts are, what are all of the available options that we can put into this uh, negotiation. And the more um, moving parts, for lack of a better term, that you have, the more wiggle room you have in, in a successful negotiation. So many times in negotiating a plea agreement, um, you know, I, I put that out there early on. What is important to the other party? So, uh, in a negotiation sometimes you know it's not just simply like in a in a in a criminal case in a plea negotiation you know a lot of people think that the moving parts are you know what are the charges the person is going to plead guilty to and what is the sentence that they're going to receive and I think that oversimplifies it there's a lot more to that 
as far as the sentence, we have a couple things at play there. We, we're looking at fines. You know, how much is the fine going to be? Probation, how long would the probation be? If incarceration is necessary, how long is the incarceration going to be? Where is the incarceration going to be? Is it going to be in a county jail or a state prison? Um, and even then, uh, you know, is it going to be a short county jail sentence along with a long period of probation afterwards? Um, you know, all those things are in play. Uh, when you're talking about you know sex assault cases, there's another component that that that's part of uh, uh, the plea, and that is Megan's law registration, sexual assault registration. Is there going to be a charge that requires that? And you know you put all those things out there, and that's where you start your negotiation and and talk to the other party and say what's most important to you. And I look at it and say, what's most important to me? What do I have to get out of this case? And what can I give the other party to arrive at a plea agreement? Because quite frankly, everybody thinks trial when they think about criminal cases. But quite frankly, very few criminal cases actually go to trial. Uh, the vast majority of them result in a plea agreement. And that's because a plea agreement is good for both sides. Um, let me just take a, a moment here uh, to go off on another topic here. You may have in the past heard the term plea bargain. Uh, you know, I hate that term because it sounds like uh, something, you know, some bargain basement discount happened and the defendant entered a plea uh, and got some kind of bargain out of it. A plea agreement is just that. Both parties enter into an agreement as to what the resolution of the case might be. Uh, I've had people enter guilty pleas for murder uh, where they're getting a sentence of life in prison as part of the plea agreement. I don't think anybody would call that a bargain. So the term plea bargain is a little bit of a misnomer. I always preferred to use the term plea agreement. But back to the uh, subject of negotiations. So when you're when you're looking at negotiating a resolution, and in the, the examples I'm giving you, we're talking about criminal cases got to find out what all of the available options are for both parties and what are the things we're negotiating. Um, to put that into an example uh, such as buying a car or buying a house, you know, there's the other things that, that are negotiable are uh, the payment terms. You know, so you have the, the price and the product, but what are the payment terms? Is it going to be cash? Is it going to be credit? If it's a, if it's a house, is this going to be a mortgage? Um, how much are you putting down? How long are the payments going to be spread out over? That's a negotiation uh term um you know warranties how long is this product going to be guaranteed am i getting a five-year warranty can you make it a 10-year warranty um can you uh include service will there be service included on the product uh when will i get delivery will i receive the will i walk out of here with the product or am i gonna have to wait 30 days to get it you know all of these are items that can be discussed in the negotiation um so it's not always just product and price so going back to the example that I, I, I have most familiarity with is uh, criminal case negotiation. Um, I'm going to tell you an example of a case, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a sensitive matter, and it's a very serious matter, but um, I think it's a good example of how you can arrive at a, an agreement in, in a negotiation when all parties understand what they really want. I was prosecuting a first-degree murder case, a guy named John Gearholt. He murdered his wife. Uh, in cold blood. Uh, she was working a shift at McDonald's uh, where she was employed. She came out on her break. He was waiting outside for her with a shotgun and shot her in the back and killed her. Uh, he was still there when the police arrived on the scene, um, you know, crying over her body, etc., etc. Uh, I mean, there was no question he committed the crime. 
And uh, I was seeking the death penalty in the case. I thought that that was an appropriate punishment. But I also felt that if he accepted responsibility for what he did uh, and didn't put the family through the ordeal of a trial, that a sentence of life in prison would be appropriate. So um, I tried uh, to negotiate that resolution. And he wasn't you know, willing to accept that. So we got all, all the way to the point of jury selection and we actually selected uh, a couple jurors. And uh, at the end of the day on day one of jury selection, his attorney said to me, you know, can we sit down and talk about a plea? And I said, absolutely. He wanted to plead to third degree murder, which would have been a significantly lesser sentence, probably would have been in the neighborhood of 25, 30 years, somewhere around there. I wanted life in prison without the possibility of parole. And we were kind of at loggerheads. So I said during the course of this negotiation, I looked right at him and I said, John, if you enter a guilty plea to life in prison, that's what I want. If there's anything within my power that I can negotiate with you to give you to get you to that point, I'll do it. So put it out there. Tell me what you want and I'll give it fair consideration. Uh, Believe it or not, he responded initially to me and said he wanted me to guarantee that when he died he could be buried with his wife I told him I said John uh, I don't know if I would do that if I had the power to do it but I don't even have the power to do it I don't own the cemetery plot Um, your ex-wife's family does and I am almost positive that they will not agree to that and I'm not even going to take it to them so I appreciate you trying to get something resolved here but that is beyond my control and I can't do it. If you give me an option that's within my control, I might consider it. Well, believe it or not, he came right back to me and said he just wanted the opportunity to go to his wife, his ex-wife's grave and apologize. Now, I thought about this and I knew it was going to upset the family if I did that. But as the district attorney, one of my jobs was to make tough decisions. And the family didn't want to go through the ordeal of a trial. Uh, trials are exactly what they sound like. There's uncertainty there. You don't know what the result's going to be. The jury, I didn't think the jury would find him not guilty, but there was always the possibility they could have returned a verdict of murder in the third degree, which would have been a significantly lesser sentence. So I thought about it. I consulted with the family, and ultimately I agreed that under police control, police custody, he would be taken to her gravesite. He'd have 20 minutes to pay his respects and then take him back to the jail, and then he would enter a guilty plea to murder in the first degree the next day for life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, he accepted that, and he went to the grave. I wasn't there. The police tell me he paid his respects. The next morning, he came in where we were going to resume jury selection, but we had an agreement. He kept his end of the agreement. He entered a guilty plea to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The reason I share that story with you is this. That was a case that did not appear that a plea agreement was possible. He didn't want to plead guilty for life in prison, and I wasn't going to give him anything less. And if we looked at that negotiation as only having those two components, what's he pleading guilty to and what's his sentence going to be, we never would have got it resolved. But I put it out there to him, gave him the option to you know, come up with something that he wanted. And if I could give it to him, I would. If he gave me what I wanted, which was a guilty plea to murder in the first degree uh, without the possibility of parole, and we resolved the case. He's in jail, and uh, eventually he'll die in prison. Um, I think it was an appropriate result. The family didn't love the plan that uh, uh, got us there, but they were happy that 
the sentence, you know, that justice was served. He obtained, he received the sentence that he deserved and that uh, he'll never see the light of day again and he'll die in prison. I had to give up a little something that, that they didn't, they didn't really like, but they also wouldn't have liked to go through the ordeal of a trial. And, you know, that's a topic for another day, uh, the tough decisions that you have to make sometimes in life. Uh, and, and the job that I had as district attorney, I had to make a lot of tough decisions. But um, that was one that I had to make a tough decision, make the right call, and negotiate a plea agreement that, that guaranteed justice for all. And that's what we did. So, uh, you know, it's going back to, uh, you know, everyday uh, negotiations. Uh, when you're trying to negotiate anything in life, whatever it might be, think, consider all options. What, what are all of the available things that we can negotiate here and find out what's important to the other party? Because at the end of the day, what might be most important to the other person it may not be important to you at all. And you could give that thing up in exchange for getting what you really want. So communication is a big part of negotiations and knowing what all of the moving parts are and all of the available things to negotiate to get that to get to that point. Uh, are really important. So I know this was a pretty long podcast, but I think it was something that was important to share. And, uh, you know, as I said, when I started this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about um, things that I've learned in my life that I can impart upon my listeners that maybe you can gain some benefit from and apply uh, to your life. And hopefully it's it's interesting to you as well to hear some of the behind the scenes of what goes on uh, in the uh, decision-making process of a prosecutor. So, um, I'm going to take another break here, and I'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Well, that brings us to uh, the end of another episode of the Never Quit Podcast. This was episode 12. Uh, I really enjoyed this subject today. This is kind of what I wanted to get into, is talking a little bit a bit more about uh, the things that I've learned in my life uh, throughout my career. Unfortunately, I'm no longer a practicing attorney, um, but I, uh, I, I think I have some wisdom that I can impart on people and give you opportunities to learn a little bit more about uh, the law and to learn a little bit more about um, you know, what goes on in the, the uh, decision-making process in handling criminal cases and how some of these uh, negotiation strategies and uh, things that I've done in my career uh, apply to everyday life. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed talking about it. I, th- I think I'm going to be doing more of that on this podcast, but I'd like feedback. So, uh, you know, did you like this subject matter or do you not like it? Do you want me to talk more about these things, less about these things? Uh, I've, I've received quite a bit of feedback on these podcasts. In fact, when I go a couple days uh, between posting one, I usually get a couple messages uh, from people saying, hey, when are you posting the next uh, podcast? That's exciting to me and it's encouraging to me. So uh, it makes me feel good about what I'm doing and that I'm, I'm helping people and, and adding value to the lives of other people through this podcast. Now, I want to keep doing that. And I, want to, I want to expand upon that. So if there's uh, something that I've, I've said or done throughout this podcast that you'd like to see more of, let me know. If there's something you think I should share less of, let me know that as well. Uh, I try to be authentic. I try to be open. I try to tell you uh, the things that are going through my mind. And um, I'm going to continue to do that. But I would like some feedback. Like I said, I'm excited to see that we're in seven countries now. Uh, I hope that continues to expand. I've had over a thousand downloads of the podcast so far, which is also exciting. That was another uh, nice benchmark to hit. So, um, 
you know, keep coming back, keep listening, and keep giving me your feedback. I enjoy doing this. Uh, so I look forward to uh, you, you joining me on the next episode. And in the meantime, uh, just remember, never surrender, never give up, never quit. And remember, tomorrow isn't promised, but today is. Please make the very best of it.